Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Danny. <laughs> or at T1D.dad. <laughs> um, and we are not the type one together girls. <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing just a really quick episode this week. 30 minutes or less, hopefully, um, a little pillow talk episode with me and my husband. Um, Raquel is visiting family and taking the week off. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to have something for you guys. So here we are. Um, I had asked the community if they had any questions for Danny. Um, I feel like for those of you who have been following along for a while, you know kind of the basics of our story, but really fast recap for those of you who don't. Danny and I just celebrated our seven-year wedding anniversary. We've been together 14 years. We met in high school. And um, yeah, we we tend to be that obnoxious couple that people roll their eyes at when they hear our story. <laughs> um, and did long distance in college. And did long distance yeah. in college. Yeah. So we are happily married and have our two kids. And he has his own outlet on online as T1D.dad. For those of you who don't follow him, he makes hilarious memes related to being a parent to a type 1 child. And it's definitely your form of therapy, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, multiple times throughout the day, something will happen diabetes related. And I'll just be like, oh, this reminds me of blank TV scene or movie scene or quote. And it'll just kind of like, I'll write it down and go make a meme about it later. And that's just kind of like how my brain works. Yeah, That's how I process it. That's how I like find parallels with other funny things that have happened in like any type of media I've watched. And it kind of helps I don't know, take the serious tone out of what's happening and keep it, keep a little bit of levity in what can be a difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. It took me approximately two years of dating him to realize that um, his humor was basically just TV show and movie quotes. <laughs> You're hooked now. You're hooked. You're a convert. Yeah. Your brain is broken now, too. <laughs> now my brain is broken, too. Um, Okay, so the main question that we got from the community and that we've gotten before um, a couple times that we've pulled before is basically when you guys disagree on something related to diabetes management, what do you do and how do you move past it? Um, do you want to dive in or you want me to start the sure. thought? I can dive in. Um I mean, I feel like just by the nature of our childcare arrangement right now, you're kind of the the default parent because you're with Hattie, you know, all week pretty much, uh, except for when she's at preschool. But you know, you've taken on the primary diabetes care since she was diagnosed, and like I fill in on nights and weekends and try and take as much of the mental burden off of you as possible, and you know, not even like relieve you because we're both Hattie's parents, but those are just the timeframes I'm able to do it because I'm, you know, working a normal kind of office job, nine to five typical hours. So I'm just not around during the week to do it. Um, so that puts me in a place where 
you know, I feel like I absolutely trust your judgment, especially nursing background. You just have a lot of really good understanding of what's happening in her body as she grows, all the different variables that affect it. So when we have a disagreement, a lot of times I defer to you. And I think a big part of that also is that I'm probably 70% as comfortable as you are with giving more insulin as opposed to less. And so my default is to let it trend a little higher if I'm unsure. Um, just because I've had less kind of repetitions of here's a low, here's what I'm going to treat it with as a low snack and it's not going to spike super high or she's going high. Here's how much insulin I'm going to give her and it's not going to result in a low. So I've just had less of those experiences that end up staying in a normal range. And so I tend to kind of under dose for highs and over treat for lows just because having a low blood sugar is more of a, an emergency situation than having a high blood sugar. So I kind of err on that side, but I know that you've had enough of those experiences where you're a lot more comfortable than I am that, Hey, if she's at 220 and going up by 10 and she ate an hour ago, you need to give her a unit and a half to get her down, you know, as a, as an example. And so I'll kind of defer to you see what happens and learn from it instead of like, I just, I don't have the very strong opinion of, no, I think this is going to be the right move because I'm not around it as many hours of the week as you are. I will say that a lot of times though, it feels like maybe not a lot of times that's, that's aggressive, but there are definitely times where you will say, Oh, I'm gonna go do this, and I was like, "Oh, she needs more," and you'll, you'll like hesitate and be like, uh, "I don't want to." And most of the time, I don't push it because I want you to like experience mm-hmm. that giving less insulin is actually not what her body needs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's also sometimes where. Like your guess in that moment is the correct move. Especially if it's her body's changing so rapidly these days where if it's the end of a long weekend or something like that, or I've had a few days in a row where I'm doing a lot of it, I feel a lot more confident and like, no, I I just have this sixth sense that this is going to be the right move. And sometimes it is, but you know, as a perfect example of when it's not, when we were flying home from Denver after Thanksgiving she had, she didn't really want to eat breakfast. Uh, she had some snacks at the airport, which included some candy, which was, you know, first thing in her stomach that day, set her up for just kind of a tough blood sugar roller coaster. Um, I, you know, the last couple times we've flown on planes, what felt to me like a normal amount of insulin, you know, assuming we counted the right number of carbs, brought her lower kind of once we were up in the plane than I thought it would. So I was counting how much candy and food she had. I dosed for how many carbs I thought she had and she started rising pretty quickly. Uh, And then I realized I probably undercounted the carbs and then kept on dosing her, but she just kept going up. And so that was one of the ones where, you know, a lot of times it feels like here's what I did if the blood sugar is not responding the way I think it will, 
I can usually make an adjustment and kind of get it to a good place based on, oh, maybe I missed 10 grams of carbs, or maybe she just needs a little more insulin today. But this is one of the ones where it felt like I, my brain kind of shut off and I was just out in the middle of nowhere with no life raft mentally, because at one point she got up to like 350 when we were on the airplane. And at that point I'd given her five units of insulin, which is way more than she ever needs to come down from there. But, you know, I must've either really undercounted or she must have just been really insulin resistant that morning. Well, this is where I think that like you just have you definitely are f- more fearful than insulin of insulin than I am because what I saw happening was she had no food in her stomach just because it was 11 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. doesn't mean that she's suddenly not insulin resistant because it's not first thing in the morning. She's always insulin resistant. That first bite of food that she takes no matter what. And because (laughs) she was given candy by grandpa, like, which is fine, whatever, like her, it it was just a, a shit storm. Basically, it was like, simple sugars right away, empty stomach, highly insulin resistant, the stress of flying, the altitude of flying, miscounted carbs. And like once she ate first before being pre-dosed for such simple sugars first thing in the morning, that was a like rocket ship of blood sugars going straight up. And I knew like, no, we are not messing with 0.3, 0.5, 0.8, just give four units because like if she in the mornings these days, if she's having like toast berries and some yogurt, that girl needs four to five units. And so if she's just having 45 grams of like pretzels and candy first thing on an empty stomach, she's going to need like six units, Mm -hmm. you know? Which ended up being what she needed. Yes. Yes. She did end up needing about six and six and a half units total maybe. And I think that that's where like I could feel your panic starting. And the way we work is we tend to, I would say, work with each other and try really hard to like remind ourselves that we're on the same team with the same goal. And so I, I find my like empathy bone really quickly when I notice you getting flustered or nervous or scared or just kind of like, oh my God, what did I do with the blood sugars? So I feel like a lot of couples, it's easy to fall into a trap of like, okay, you were responsible for the management and the blood sugars are shit. That's your fault. I'm mad at you. But really what it is, is it's your stress about crappy blood sugars, challenge the challenges that come with bringing crappy blood sugars back into range and then keeping them in range. And then just like the stress of like <laughs> raising a kid who has type 1 diabetes, it's so hard. And so it's easy to fall into uh, finding someone to fight instead of like forcing yourself to be like, Hey, it's okay. It's a learning experience. She's fine. Everything's fine. And 
I think it just took us some time to get there post-diagnosis, but that's mostly where we're at, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's so much easier to go through trial and error and have all these like experiences that you know I can build up in my tool belt knowing that there's not and I told you so around the corner. So I appreciate that a lot. Like the space to fail without, you know, something dangerous happening. Um, it's important because like you're not always going to have perfect blood sugars and there are going to be times when you have to do something that's outside your comfort zone, like give more insulin than you previously have had to because your kid is growing and their needs are changing or find a different low snack. If your kid is not, you know, eating their normal, like, Oh, they'll for sure eat this if they're going low. Um, so just having the space to figure all that out is really helpful without the added stress of, Oh man, I'm going to have to like, deal with you know the discussion after this as if i did something like wrong you know because it's not that it's both of us trying to figure out the best way to give our daughter the most normal blood sugar life as possible given all the circumstances let's talk a little bit about how we talk to each other when the other person has made a diabetes decision that did not go according to plan or didn't work out well, like let's basically explain to the community how we communicate with each other because I can imagine many couples if the the non-primary parent is like, hey, let me take this on for a little bit. And they do, but they don't understand like the newer trends or they're just like not fully up to speed on all things diabetes. And so, you know, nice, pretty blood sugars suddenly turned into a dumpster fire. And then like, even if their partner approaches them in a way that's like loving, you're immediately on like the defensive point you know so I don't even know where I'm going with this but basically I feel like we should just talk about what is it that you wish I like did differently if anything different tone a different way I talk to you a different time I talk to you about things and what are the things that you appreciate um I yeah I mean I really think the most important thing is coming at it from as objective of a place as possible in terms of talking about the situation and not attributing any anything to like the person at all you know I think you do a great job at that of saying like here's where her blood sugar started here's the time that I usually you know, bolus before eating. Here's, you know, what her ratio is different times of the day. What kind of foods like did she eat? What was the order she ate them in? Like there's so many factors to talk through that it really is just a repetition and numbers game of like approaching the kind of like the, the dissection of the situation after it happens 
uh, as like methodically as possible so that all those factors can start to just make sense over time. Um, and I think in terms of like the communication style, yeah, I think just coming at it with like in a non-emotionally charged time. So like maybe not talking about what you can do different while her blood sugar is super high or low, you know, maybe waiting half an hour. Like, I don't think you do that, but I think that that's advice I would give people is don't do it in the moment, do it afterwards so that you can talk about it without also having in the back of your mind, man, her blood sugar is still so high. We need to get it down or, Oh, her blood sugar is low. We need to get it up. Like wait until there's a time when you can take a deep breath and just have a discussion on here's what happened. Here's what we should do next time. This is just adding to, you know, the, the book of lessons that we're getting from this disease. Do you feel like you're getting in trouble if like, say I've been doing chores and like taking time for myself or whatever. And then I come to you after two hours and I'm like, Oh, her blood sugar is high. Like, did she eat something? When, when did you dose her? Like, because I'm not, I don't think I'm accusing you. I literally am just asking and it's more for my bank of knowledge for the days that are coming up, you know, the five days in a row all day so that I can start filing stuff away because of how often we have to change carb ratios and correction factors in all the settings. Yeah. No, I don't feel like I'm getting in trouble. I feel like, yeah, you're just trying to understand what happened. I feel a sense of guilt whenever like I want you to just not have to think about it. And I know it's on your watch. And so if you're out with friends or you're just, you know, working or relaxing and I'm like in charge of Hattie's blood sugar, I feel guilty if I do something that, and and I guess a quick insert right here, like it's huge to let go of the perfectionism just in general and focus more on getting to whatever time and range is achievable for your lifestyle and your kids eating habits. Um, because there was a really long time where I felt like if it wasn't, you know, perfect all the time, I was failing somehow. And so like getting to the point where they're just going to be highs and lows sometimes. And that's just how diabetes works. That helped a ton. Um, but I do still feel guilty when, you know, there's a, there's an hour long high or something when it's your time to go and not think about it and relax. Cause I know that you've got to be getting notifications for it. So I do, I do wrestle with like, do I text you and let you know, Hey, I'm on it. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what she did. Or do I just not? Because I don't want you to either think that I'm not on it or not working on it. Um, but I also don't want you to like have to put mental energy into reading what I'm saying, deciding if it's what you would have done or if I should make any changes or if you feel like you need to comment on it. So I do struggle with that a little bit still where like when, you know, when you're at friends for life or something like that, like, do I say, Hey, she's at 55. I gave her blank. She's got blank insulin on board. Like, don't worry about it. Um, I feel like I've, if it's one that seems potentially like a problem, I'll just let you know, Hey, I'm dealing with it. And if it's one that just seems like it could be just a normal fluctuation, I usually don't let you know. Yeah. 
I would say that the only time I ever like take out my phone to check to see if you have updated me is if I'm getting a blood sugar under 55 and that's like not slowing. Like that's the only time I'm going to be like, uh, I just want to check my phone to see if he's told me that he's already on it. And I don't ever think about like needing details and stuff. I literally just want to know that you are seeing what I'm seeing and you're doing something about it. And that's because when I leave the house and it's no longer my responsibility, like I really do turn my brain off. Um, and it took me a long time to get there, but I don't know. I am there. <laughs> I feel like I'm there right now so <laughs> because you are very competent. Yes. But also because it's like, I know that she's fine and yeah, you are competent. The whole thing is like, you can't take on someone else's blood sugar management just randomly. Even if you are the other parent, if you are not the primary parent and you are not making the blood sugar management decisions day in and day out, and then you suddenly come you know, back into like family life in on the weekends and then you're like taking over. It doesn't work like that because it takes multiple days in a row to figure out the trends that are happening with the weather and the growth hormones and the eating habits and the preferences of a toddler that week and the activity and the carb ratios and just like the five million other things. So I never expect you to come in on a Friday night or a Saturday and maintain really beautiful, picture-perfect sugars because it takes some time. And then a perfect example of that is when I was gone in Friends for Life for five days. By day three, you were at like 90% in range because you were the one making every decision for five straight days. I was so bummed because I think it was, you were gone for five days. It was day like three and a half. She was high for 45 minutes and it, and then she was in range for until you got home after that. But that 45 minutes ruined. I really <laughs> wanted to be able to, to screenshot hundred percent time in range, but I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> We've never done it. That's okay. Yeah. I wanted it. <laughs> I know, I know, but you can't go up from 100% range. You got to keep it low, so you're always, always aiming for something. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like that was decent. I don't know. It's also, guys, we're doing this at nine o'clock, the night before it comes out on Monday night. So it's also, going out tomorrow. yeah, it's going out tomorrow. Also, like, I don't know if any of this video footage is usable. All of my postpartum baby hairs are sticking out on the camera right now. Like, this is maybe the least attractive I've ever felt looking into the camera right now. <laughs> Not yeah, you cool. Set, you set up the camera and, I mean, me too. Just, it's a tough angle and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough scene. Well, it's because this is a pillow talk episode. This is supposed <laughs> to be just like, oh, what are we going to chat about as we're laying down next to each other and really, the 
God's honest truth, you guys, is Danny and I don't talk. We stare at our phones like every other freaking married couple. And then we say love you and good night and maybe throw in a kiss at the end of the night. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? Yeah. No, we get in our, our connection before that. And then second we're in bed, it's like my brain just completely turns off. It's like a Pavlov response now where lay in bed, just the, the lights on, nobody's home. Yeah. Yep. Right. Do you have anything funny to say or do you have anything insightful to say? Anything you would want to say to a dad whose toddler just got diagnosed and he is shitting his pants? <laughs> uh, that's a tall ask. Uh, honestly, just like it's a it's a war of attrition. So like just keep showing up. I mean, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Do whatever you can to keep your head above water for as long as you can ask for help, try and find a support network, try and find people to talk to. I know it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people to, you know, try and talk to people to get support and stuff like this, but it is helpful. Um, biggest piece of advice Amanda just talked about it is you and your partner or a team, you and whoever are caring for your kid with diabetes or a team approach it like that. Cause you know, I think it could get really difficult if it's something where it becomes adversarial. And so using each other as a resource, filling in the gaps when the other person is having a tough time or doesn't have the energy, the energy to deal with it is probably the most important thing that has kind of kept us going strong is, you know, finding ways to pick the other person up when they're down. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Pillow Talk. I didn't give the whole spiel because I don't have it. Have it memorized yet? <laughs> no, I don't have it memorized. That's Raquel's that's Raquel's line about great review, subscribe. No, not that one. The <laughs> beginning where none of this is medical advice. We're the type one together girls. Breaking down diabetes from two people who are living different versions of it every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Danny's obnoxious. Danny's so smart, you guys, and sometimes it's annoying. I love you. We're on the same team, but you're you. so smart and annoying oh, sometimes. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our blood sugar roll call is going to be a whopping one blood sugar of our daughter who – Today just had a lot of stubborn highs. Like that girl is eating up some insulin. Her baseline. She's, she's usually got like 35 units left at the end of her pump. And she had what, 15 Yeah. this time? Yeah. And we start her off with 90-ish usually. Yeah. Like she's she's needing a lot more insulin. So little by little, we're trying to tell Omnipod, crank it up. <laughs> We're giving her a lot of bolus. I'm tired. I'm tired. We have to go to bed. We need to wrap this up I before I say light. something I can, stupid. I can see the light fading from your eyes. The yeah. last 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. Blood sugar roll call. Hattie is at 197. I'm going to go send Danny in to Hattie do. I'm going to go send Danny in to, to do one more, one more correction bolus because I, I got the last one. So now it's his turn. That's the other thing. That's how we make it work. We communicate on who has the most energy that night to stay up. We take turns 
giving correction boluses. It is not one parent's responsibility to manage diabetes. It is both parents or whoever is in the house contributing. Okay. We will see you guys next week. Rate, review, and subscribe, please. Let's get this show out there. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Bye.